and welcome to the Great Lakes Sports Network Michigan State Podcast. I am Tyler Hayward. Be sure to check us out on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. You can go to the Facebook page under Great Lakes Sports Network. Uh, when the Tigers wrap up, we'll have some stuff there because what well, hasn't already been said about this team that can't hit. Uh, when the Wings and Pistons get started up and we get a little more uh, news breaking in uh, Little Caesars Arena, we'll be talking about that. We'll have that information up there. Check out the Cover 3 betting podcast, uh, which is our last post. Be sure to check that out before tonight's game if you want to put a little action on the Chiefs and Chargers. And if you want to talk about defensive ends that over-pursue from a certain university like every other great defensive player does that comes from that school, then you can listen to my boy Ryan, who is with us right now as he talks about the Detroit Lions. Ryan, how are you doing today, buddy? I'm doing all right, Tyler. How are you, man? I am doing good. Let me ask you a question before we dive into the Michigan State stuff. All right. Because I'm, I'm sure you and Mike are going to end up talking about this when your uh, next one drops. Is Sunday a must win? Uh, honestly, kind of think you got to win that game, right? You can't drop two straight at home. Yeah. yeah well, it's a two at home, and then it's the fact that you go to Minnesota the next week, you can't start. I don't think you're winning that game. So you're going to no injury start. Yeah, that. That, that would be uh, brutal. And, look, we don't know if Minnesota was just a product of, uh, you know, Green Bay's typical week one start over the last few years. So, we'll, we'll, I mean, we'll, we'll see how all that plays out. And uh, so, like I said, be sure to check out the Great Lakes Sports Network uh, Facebook page to uh, listen to Ryan break that down a little bit more in depth. Ryan, I got a question for you before we dive into the specifics of the game itself. Jacoby Winman, I've said on the show, I think twice already, that I'm a little concerned about him potentially ending up like Janal St. Deke, where he just registered all of his numbers in the preseason, and then he was just, you know, a slightly above average, maybe a best player uh, throughout the course of the regular season. Is it? Like, what are the odds of Winman ending up like that? Or is this going to be like a Shalit Calhoun where, yeah, his numbers are going to drop a little bit because of the competition, but he's still going to be a complete baller? I would lean more towards Shalit Calhoun because of the way the staff's been talking about Winman all offseason. They've been – I mean, they don't hype guys up uh, a lot, and they were talking about him all offseason. I think he's the real deal, man. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying he's going to – He's as good as Shalee Calhoun was, but I think he's more Calhoun. All Big Ten. He's he's a yeah. He's more Calhoun. I, I think he's an All Big Ten. He's going to wind up in an All Big Ten team. Yeah, I mean, just his numbers alone. You look at it. Shoot, if he does this for one more game, he might finish second in the Heisman voting. I um, mean, <laughs> hey, oh, I see what you did there. It took me a second. Yeah, okay, that was good. All right, uh, before. Um, I, I want to talk to you really quick about this, and like I said, then we'll get into it all. But about uh, the big matchup this weekend out on the West Coast uh, grind week. What what are your thoughts about this? Because I don't see this anywhere else, and I know you have more of a national landscape. You, know, you take all that stuff in a little bit more than I do, and I'm more focused in the Big Ten footprint. Um, what's your take on grind week and uh, what that does? 
I I think it's great for the program. I, I and like you said, I do pay more attention nationally to things probably than a lot of people do. I I don't I don't think this really happens anywhere else. I uh, I, I think it's because I mean every single commit was there this past weekend, um, which is awesome. So they got they got the, the, all the incoming twenty twenty three class got to see. You know all the former players there, Draymond. You know all those guys, Jared Jackson. Draymond they, almost I, getting in a fight with Akron players. Oh my like god, that was peak Draymond. <laughs> I, I I was like, oh my god, that's like the least surprising thing I've ever seen. Um, but yeah, it's uh, I mean, I I, I know you're friends with Anthony Ioni, uh too, mm-hmm. uh, but he kind of talked to it, talked to us about it last year. On my yeah. on my MSU podcast, and uh, he he spoke nothing but good things about it. Um, and uh, I think it's really great for the program, to be honest with you. Yeah, we uh, we were gonna have him on uh, this uh, this week, but I guess the champ was a little too busy for us. Yeah, he uh, he he, uh, he, big uh, he big time. Yeah, he he big time my tailgate last week, man. Hey, you know, man. Well, I, I call him the champ because his fantasy football team name is Acknowledge the Champ. And so I wanted to get him on. I was going to give him this shout out regardless and ask him if he was ready to send the belt my way uh, <laughs> after the season. But I, you know, that's going to have to wait for another day for, you know, that just boring trash talk stuff that nobody else, none of the listeners really give a crap about. So, um, Look, the West Coast travel, Michigan State, which I don't think, what was it? They haven't won a regular season game on the West Coast since 57. 57, correct. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, What do you make of the way that uh, they're doing this? Because a lot of the stuff's being talked about, their sleep schedule, um, and just, uh, you know, sleeping on the plane and, you know, limited to a half hour and all that type of stuff. Seems like this is kind of backed by science, and Mel seems to be a guy that's kind of in touch with that stuff. Um, I, I think I don't know if it's going to work, but I mean, if this is something that he's talked to people about, then I'm going to believe it's probably a good idea. I mean, they they, they figured out the heat thing in Miami last year. Um, Maybe they figure out the time zone thing. I don't know. I I, I believe they're supposed to leave tomorrow because Mel's radio show is tonight. So, uh, but we'll see. I don't know. It's it it is kind of different. It seems, but I don't know. I, I would assume they put a lot of research into it. So we'll see. Yeah, yeah, and it's not like one of those terrible eleven o'clock kickoffs or whatever that we get out here. In Eastern right. Time zone. It's like it's like a night game here. It's, it's yeah. literally yeah. It's the same time. Yeah, it, it's a it's a seven thirty game out here, so I think uh, that makes it a little more manageable as well. Um, you know, it's just a matter of <laughs> when the sun comes up. Ultimately, I think is uh, the biggest problem. You know, because well, and when it goes down, because you know, light affects sleep. I mean, I don't have to explain that part to you. We learned, we learned that in kindergarten. Sense. Common sense. They, yeah, when they turn off the lights or whatever, you take naps, but. Look, there's some familiarity here uh, with these two programs. It's very, very little. It's two players on Washington, ultimately. And uh, it's Giles Jackson, 
and it's obviously the focal point, Michael Penix. They uh, have a couple other good receivers as well with Michigan State's style of play. This is one of the things that concerned me is when you had the starter in for Akron, they were moving the ball, and he's kind of like a Penix guy. Penix has stayed a lot more in the pocket this year. I think he only has like four designed rushes as opposed to what he used to do at Indiana. But I think they – I mean, it could be a situation. You look at Washington's schedule, it's almost as bad as Michigan's at this point. I think it's almost a situation where, you know, they're disguising the playbook a little bit. Yeah, I I, uh, I I don't like going up against Penix just because of the past history there. I mean, I well, six hundred yards in two yeah, games and twenty six points is not positive. Great. Um, I, I, they do run. It is a different scheme, and let's be real: the twenty twenty team was god awful. So I kind of threw. I, I would throw that out the window to an extent. Um, but, yeah, I, it's not – I'm nervous about this game, but at the same time, I'm not cowering about it. I think this is a game I would say they should win. Uh, but there are factors like, you know, going out to the West Coast, um, Thorn issues, which I'm sure we'll get into. Um, but, yeah, there's – there are some worries about this game, but – I mean, if you're if you want to be the best, if you want to win the conference this year, which is this team's goal, uh, then you can't lose this game. I, I get it's not a conference game, but that does not bode well if you're losing to a team with a first year coach that went four and eight last year. This is I feel like this is a tone setter for the season. This game. This is Miami um, last year. Yes, absolutely. This is Miami last year. Um, I I feel like they should win. I, I, there's no excuses to lose this game. I don't care what I, I, I maybe if you might have a built-in excuse. Jaden Reed doesn't play, but I think he's going to. But uh, this is this is a tone center for the season. You got to win this game. You got to win here. Yeah, and uh, Reed obviously uh, hit the bleachers. Ended up getting a gash on his back as. Uh... You know, pretty much all we know, some stitches. It's, I mean, those are the rumors floating around, anyways. And uh, when you talk about Peyton Thorne, obviously he's struggled, uh, you know, through the first two games of the season. Um, excuse me. I sent you a stat, you know, I was a day late on it when I heard it um, about his accuracy and how he's 22 of 28 throwing to everybody but Keon Coleman, where he's 6 of 17. I mean, two of those uh, 11 incompletions to Keon Coleman probably could have been pass interferences on Akron, but I digress. Um, bottom line, he's not good throwing to Keon Coleman. If Jaden Reed doesn't play, Trey Mosley's still there, obviously, and you have three tight ends who can all catch the ball and do uh, some damage with the rock when they get their hands on it. You know, you do have... Uh, other receivers like Jeremy Bernard and stuff like that. But what what's the issue with the Coleman thing? I went back and I watched both games to try to figure it out, and I just have no idea why he's overthrowing it. Does he think he's 7-4 instead of 6-4? So I think part of it's on Keon, to be honest with you, because if you watch 
the um, you watch some of the throws, they should be on target, but Keon kind of uh, lessens his stride a little bit. I don't know if you noticed that. Um, and then it, it looks like it's a big overthrow, but in reality, Keon should have just kept on going at the same pace. I, I, they're just not on the same page. They don't have a good rapport right now. Um, which, you know, was what the offseason was for. So I don't know if that's going to get fixed this year. Um, but, yeah, they're, they're clearly not on the same page. I think it's a mixture of both guys just not doing the correct thing. As there have been some throws where Keon just straight – or uh, Peyton just straight up overthrows him. But there's been a couple times where Keon kind of lowered his stride and it looked like a big overthrow. When in reality, it shouldn't have been. Yeah, and I think the most interesting part of that to me is that you know you hear Thorne talk about Keon Coleman in the offseason and the way he talked about him and it just it gave me all the comfort in the world thinking you know not this season that we are in right now but next season hey we're good without Reed it, it gave me that level of comfort the way he talked about Coleman, but watching it, it's just it was starting to make me nervous a little bit uh, when Reed and Mosley uh, are gone next year. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you on that. It's This is something I think that might not be completely fixed during the season. I think this is going to take another – this might take another offseason to get them totally on track with each other. I don't know. Yeah. We'll see, but I, you can tell they're not on the same page. Yeah, and Coleman is going to be, like I said, the number one next year. So I'd prefer if they figured it out, but at the same time, I don't see that uh, happening over the course of a week, which is uh, what we're trying to get to. Um, looking at Thorne and uh, the other receivers, look, Washington lost two first-round uh, talents at corner. Michigan State's got great receivers. They've given up some plays to garbage opponents. Uh, they've struggled with uh, kick return coverage. And so, like, who, who's the backup returner now for Michigan State? Like, they, we, they don't have two guys Donald? on there. Well, he's backup Maybe. punt returner. I, I don't know who you're going to Oh, that's right. I don't know who you're going to have to do. I, I saw Bernard back there. I'm pretty sure I, he was back. I saw Broussard back there. I, Broussard fielded one of the kicks. That or Xavier Henderson's back and nobody knew about it. I'm pretty sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. It was, it was Broussard. You're right. Yeah. But but with Broussard and McDonald, uh, you know, they've looked a little sloppy on coverage. They looked a little sloppy on the corners. Can Michigan State win this game without Reed? Because that, that's where Reed, that's where Reed would light him up. Obviously, he'd light up the corners and he'd uh, light up special teams. Yeah, I'm not really sold. I I, I don't know. I think I think Jaden Reed's kind of got to play this game if they're going to win. I, I don't know if he makes that big of a difference. Where you're saying, oh yeah, they're definitely going to lose, but I, I would feel very comfortable about this game if Jaden Reed played. Yeah, I think I would too. And, you know, obviously, if Michigan State's not able to take advantage of the passing. Look, the front seven for Washington, it looks good. You know, they, they've got a bunch of transfers as well. Um, but Michigan State's offensive line has not given up a negative rush this season, which, 
I mean, two games that's impressive. I don't care who you play. And uh, I think the biggest issue that I have with it, though, is there's a lot of one-yard runs. And that is specifically true when you get close to the goal line. If a running back does the damage, you know, throughout the course of a drive, it's obvious how Jay Johnson calls his plays when he gets in the red zone. And he tries to feed and feed and feed and feed the running back to a point where it's like you're just beating him down, you're tearing down his average, you're doing all that type of stuff. Um, you saw it with Kenneth Walker a lot last year. I think specifically the Maryland game stood out. They gave it to him four straight times to try to get it done. Is just how much of it is Jay Johnson just hiding stuff for the quality teams, and how much of it is you know he likes to reward the guys and it, he becomes predictable? I think that he's definitely hiding stuff. Uh, because you're, I mean, you're not going to show everything against. Western and Akron. I mean, let's just be real. I do think he's hiding some stuff. There's sometimes where I kind of question what he's doing play call wise. Like they, there's, they had, a, they had that one turnover on downs and they, what did they do? Run the ball three straight times or whatever. And then they ran it again on fourth down and they wound up, they, they didn't get the first down on a fourth and short. So, I mean, there's yeah. sometimes where it's like, what, what, what's going on here? But I, I do think he's hiding some stuff for sure. Yeah, well, uh, right now, I, th- I think this game crossed the bridge. I think Michigan State was favored by like one and a half or something like that, two points. Um, it's three, three and a half right now in favor of Washington. Give me your prediction of uh, what happens. So, I said Michigan State would win. I, I, I think that it's going to be like a – 37-31 game or something like that. I, I think there's going to be a decent amount of scoring in this game. Uh, yeah. If if Thorne can not turn, doesn't turn the ball over, and uh, you know makes a couple plays, Michigan State's going to win this game. That's really what it comes down to. If Peyton Thorne does not turn the ball over, Michigan State will win. I know it sounds simple, but that's really what it comes down to. What what's your concern about the five wide? Washington runs a lot of that. Um, and obviously with the way Michigan State plays their defense, that's going to pretty much just put five guys in the box. Well, there's five guys, there's five offensive linemen, and then there's Michael Penix's legs. Uh, what's your thoughts on how you attack that? So my thing is that uh, Washington's run game is – they're fan- I've, I've perused their message boards a little bit. Uh, yeah, I went down the dark hole. Um, but um, – <laughs> They, they, uh, their fans are have said their running game is this all year has not been very good, and that those that's against not very, not good opponents. Um, so I'm cool with running guys with putting a bunch of DBs on the field. I have no problem with that. I'm not really that worried about their run game. So the the more guys you get out there to cover, and then you know you send four guys on a rush, maybe put a spy out there. Um, I think that that's the best way to roll because I, I, I get that Penix isn't, he's not Lamar Jackson when it comes to running, but if you give him, you know, if he can't find somebody downfield and you don't have somebody, somebody spying him, he's going to take off. So I, 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 have somebody like Ben Van somewhere out there spying him, but I think is the best idea on how to handle this game. Oh yeah. As far as spying him goes, that, that, that was who I was thinking of, but then you start to think, 
crap, that means Cal Halliday's in coverage. <laughs> so, yeah. It's a pick-your-poison type deal. Um, if you think Halliday can hang with Penix, then obviously that's the route you want to go. But that – I mean, that that's the one thing that scares me because we saw how easily Akron was moving the ball. Take away the turnovers. Uh, they they move the ball well with their starter. You know, just – well, <laughs> idiot didn't slide, so – uh, he ended up uh, playing an Akron backup, and that obviously uh, helps the cause in regard to pitching the shutout. I, I agree this is going to be high scoring. Washington's back four is a little iffy after, uh, like I said, they lost two first-round talents. Uh, I'm going to go 34-31. I'm, I'm still going to go Michigan State. I think Peyton Thorne, look, he's 80% thrown to everybody, not named Keon Coleman. Him and Coleman are going to get it figured out. Uh, they have a – Washington has a propensity to give up big plays. Well, Reed can hit big plays. Mostly can hit big plays. Coleman can hit big plays. Uh, the tight ends can. Jeremy Bernard can. We've seen it. Um, I think they're going to give up big plays. The thing is about Payton Thorne is, at the same time, that's not all you can be looking for. You know, you've, you've got to be able to say – okay, I'm just going to dump it off and get four yards on a second and seven and get this thing a little more manageable. And we've seen him a little bit hold the ball a little longer looking for that home run. Take the single if it's there, get on base, and set yourself up to try to get in scoring position. I, um, I, but I think Thorne's going to do that a little bit more knowing that he's got to control the ball better than he has the last two weeks. He can't be Patrick Mahomes or Brett Farver. God, please don't be Brett Favre with uh, that news that came out. <laughs> but you can't be Patrick Mahomes just whipping the ball around like that. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, he's had a propensity in the past to make some bad decisions. Um, like the the one the one throw he had in the, the Akron game where he there's a linebacker clearly just sitting in the middle of the field. I get he was getting he was going to get hit, but. And you can't make that throw. I mean, you just got to either take the intentional grounding penalty or just take the sack, man. Like, you can't – like, I get you don't want to get sacked, but you can't turn the ball over. Yeah. That, that's That's been hit one of his biggest – that's always been one of his bigger problems. He's got to learn when to take a sack. Yeah. Use the legs a little bit. Slide, please. Um, and I think uh, you've got that opportunity. That's the thing, man. That interception that you're talking about, that one right over the middle to the linebackers, I think Hunt was the guy, was the guy he was targeting. That thing was coming like right at me, and for I every, knew, for every oh, bit as it. for every bit as bad as it looked on TV, it looked so much worse in person. Yeah, oh, I I saw it. Yeah, I was I was in the game too. I I saw that coming from a mile away from where I was sitting. I was like, oh yeah. Well, let me ask, literally just sitting in the middle of the field and he just throws it to him. Let me, let me ask you a question. Scale of 1 to 10, how concerned are you about Peyton Thorne's play over the last two uh, games? Probably a 6. Oh. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that he'll be able to figure it out. I, I think some of it is him thinking he has to do everything. Yeah. Because with Walker gone, everybody was like, okay, this is your team. And I think he's kind of putting the pressure on himself. And uh, I, I, I'm hoping that he finally figured it out this week that, hey, you know, you've you got a running game. Uh, 
yeah, you've got talented receivers, but you don't have to force things. And that's been his problem is he's forcing things. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I think that's one of the biggest things, too, is you watch Broussard run and you watch uh, Berger run, and both of those guys are just really good runners. You know, they both offer stuff a little more di- – they both offer stuff a little differently, but at the same time, you can't sit there and say – yeah, Broussard's RB1, even though I think he's had the more impressive runs in regards to keeping his legs moving and, you know, making those cuts that extend to play 10 yards. But Berger, you just get that consistency. And I think just the combination of them is just dynamite. I, as far as replacing Kenneth Walker goes, I think the staff did about as good of a job as you can. I, I Given the fact you thought he, Walker was going to be your starter for two years. I, I 100% agree with you. They did uh, about as good as they could. I mean, they get, they got two power five starting caliber running backs in the backfield now. So, Three. You know, could be – could have been a lot worse. I think they came out on top regarding all that. They have three. I'm counting Elijah Collins. <laughs> you know, <laughs> hey, he did run for a touchdown. I think he was averaging like seven yards a carry on the Saturday. So. Look, man, in 11 and a half games, he had 1,000 yards or 900. He's, he's not a scrub. A he's, definitely, he's no. definitely not a scrub. Were you interested to see how the run – I'm sorry, I just keep stretching this out. Like I wasn't even planning like half the stuff. But were you interested to see the how the running back depth chart played out? Like, Joyner was in on some of the third down and long situations like he always is. But then at the end of the game, Collins was in more. Simmons was in more. And then Joyner got in at the very end. Were you shocked to see Joyner was five instead of number three on the depth chart? No, because he's a situational back. He's never going to be a guy that's a three down back. Yeah, I I just thought the situational thing was enough to – pin him as uh, was enough to kind of pin him as that third back period. I did not know he was behind Simmons. On the I'm not. I, I mean, him chart. being him being behind Simmons is not exactly the greatest uh, vote of confidence in the world. No, but yeah, uh, I, I was not. I figured Collins would be ahead of him. That didn't surprise me at all. But I guess Simmons kind of did. But that I mean, you're splitting hairs at that point between four and five. So yeah. Yeah, Collins looked good. Man. He 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 looked like he did as a freshman, and uh, that just got me excited. And at the same time, it was like, can one of these running backs, if you know something happens, someone tweaks an ankle, can one of these running backs carry the load? It looks like they're not going to have to. Um, so I'm I'm stoked about that. I'm stoked about this weekend. Look, we both got Michigan State and close, high scoring wins. Uh, should be an exciting game. Should be a raucous crowd it's a tough stadium to play at for sure like i said michigan state michigan state has a one on the west coast in the regular season since 57 never be washington out there so uh should be a lot of fun should be interesting and i think uh look if they win this game the opportunity in the big 10 and on the national stage given the teams that have fallen off who they who they have fallen off to and uh, just how lousy the Big Ten has generally looked, um, especially when you look at Ohio State's win over Notre Dame at the same time Notre Dame could completely sold out for that game and just vastly overachieved. Uh, look, there, there's a lot on the line for Michigan State, and this is going to show if they're worthy of it. 
Yeah, this is the definitely the prove it game. Uh, it's going on what you said about the crowd. Uh, for what it's worth, Washington has had trouble. I get, I get, they were playing two pretty bad teams, but they've kind of had trouble drawing fans. Uh, the games this year, so something to look out for, I guess. Yeah, not Michigan State. So yeah, for no, for sure. I, I, I just, I, I don't think it's going to be a sellout. So I think yeah, there's going to be some empty seats. We'll see though. Yeah, and, Wa- and Washington's also struggled against ranked opponents at home, so uh, something else to keep an eye on. I think it's been – I don't even remember what the number was, but it was like two decades or something like that since they beat somebody. It was 2001, I'm pretty sure. Hey, two decades. Non-conference it. home game. Yep, the non-conference. They haven't won a non-conference ranked home game in 20 years. Awesome. Crushed it. That That's what guessing gets you. Um, <laughs> all right, Ryan, so uh, – what do we got on the Lions pod this week? Uh, we're going to talk Hutchinson, uh, run down the Eagles game. I kind of want to talk about Jeff Okuda a little bit. I thought he looked pretty good. And uh, probably talk about golf and then preview the Commanders game. It's coming up on Sunday. The Washington Red Foot Commanders uh, should be an interesting <laughs> game. Uh, but, you know, like we said, must win, so – Lots online for Michigan State, lots online for Lions. Uh, like I said, be sure to check out the Cover 3 podcast by Flipside Sports. That's also on our page. Uh, we took a shout-out to tonight's game. Uh, so good. It's too good to be on Amazon. That's all I'm going to say. So uh, be sure to check out that podcast as well. Ryan, thanks for coming on, brother. Hey, thanks for having me, Tyler. This is the Great Lake Sports Network Michigan State podcast.